Hi, and welcome to the Genesis Podcast. We're so glad to be able to bring a small portion of our community to you through this medium and hope that you'll join us in our endeavor to embolden one another to change the world by effectively representing Jesus Christ. If you would like to know more about who we are as a community, as well as when and where we meet, you can visit us online at thegenesisstory.com. Also, if you have benefited from this podcast in any way or would like to participate in what we're doing here at Genesis, would you consider partnering with us by donating online again at www.thegenesisstory.com. There you can select the giving tab and how you would like to contribute to the general fund or even to the building fund. Remember, we can do more together than we can ever do alone. Thanks for taking the time to be with us. God bless. Good morning. It's good to be back. Good to see you guys. I did miss you uh, while I was gone. Uh, And today is a time where we remember and celebrate veterans. So if we have any veterans here, could we have you stand up as we want to acknowledge you? Thank you. Happy Veterans Day. We appreciate your service for our freedom. Uh, We don't want to take those sacrifices for granted ever. And so, again, thank you guys for your service to our country and to our way of life. We appreciate that. This morning, I'm going to be talking to you about headlights of your car, bikes in New York City, flying a kite, and babies in New York City, okay? Turn with me to Matthew chapter 6. We are continuing on the Sermon on the Mount, but we're also moving forward into the Advent season. So Matthew chapter 6, verse 22 says, The eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. Either you will hate the one and love the other, or you will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. Now, usually we start our Advent conspiracy after Thanksgiving, but I figured they're already advertising for Christmas. We can start moving forward as well. And so remember, I want us to have a focus on how we look at this season. And I believe that this passage really fits right in line, especially coming off of that about where our treasure is, our heart will be also. With our concept of Advent, what we want to do is keep these things in mind. We want to buy less, give more, and love all. We buy less by spending less money on gifts that are unnecessary. Okay, I've heard that it's between 680 to $720 billion a year Americans spend on Christmas. That is astronomical, okay? And when they break that down, it's between, I think, uh, $680 to $1,100 
individually that is spent on Christmas. And that could be for cards, for gifts, for all the different things that take place. And I'm sure some people spend a lot more and some people spend less, but that's kind of a breakdown. And you start thinking about it and a little bit here, a little bit there starts adding up to quite a bit. So giving less is about not spending as much. Giving more is giving of ourselves relationally. Maybe buying a card or making a card or giving time to the people who are important to you by eating with them. And so now instead of buying five people a little gift, you just go and have one meal with all five people. Trying to give of ourselves and not so much of the money. And loving all is taking the money that we don't spend and contributing it to something that is more in line with what we are wanting to see take place. In the years past, we have built the latrine in Haiti. We built the cafeteria in Haiti. We started the goat and garden project in Haiti. And this year, we are taking the money that we raised from Advent and putting it towards a building so that we can have a better facility for our children. As I came back this Sunday, I found out that the little ones are no longer here, that they're actually over there. And the reason they did that is because the the lady who runs the room over here was upset that the tables kept getting moved a little bit. And, and, you know, part of me is just like, well, we pay for the place. We can move the tables where we want. But then part of me that gets put back in the right perspective says, we need to be an example loving and caring for the people, especially the people who are here, because the way they're going to hear about Jesus is actually going to be by how we act. And besides, I trained her dog a while back. And so... It's true. And what I want to do is now recognize that our little ones are over there, but we'd really like a better facility for them. We would like to be able to do more things with them, develop more classrooms. Our children are the future, and we want to invest in those things. And so by loving more in this season, what we're going to do is take the money that we decide as a community not to spend on just the gifts that we probably don't need, but put it towards something that can be useful in the future. And so if you mark any of the gifts for Advent and you put it on a check or on an envelope, that money will go directly towards the building fund and getting us into another place, which we are striving to do more diligently here. But what we're seeing here as Jesus is presenting this idea is... He's warning us, just as he has, that we aren't to do our deeds, good deeds before men, otherwise we get our reward, but to do those things with the right attitude towards God. And the same thing is true with our our treasure, right? If we take these things and we accumulate for ourselves, that's all we get instead of investing in the kingdom. And so here, what we're trying to do is see that The way we see things, our perspective, really starts to direct our lives. He says the lamp of the body is the eye. And I love that visualization. You know, I have a 2004 Toyota, and the headlights are a nice, even yellowish tone now, right? You know what happens as the plastic starts to wear, and I I need to get them replaced or cleaned or something, but... Who has time to see while you're driving? You know, I haven't even seen all the movies I want to see yet, right? So, and so 
when you're driving, it's not as brilliant as it should be. I remember driving back from L.A. one time with Randy, and he goes, are your lights on? I'm like, yeah, that's it. That's as bright as they get. Made an interesting ride for him. I didn't know he was terrified, and then it was all clear. Oh, that's why he's holding on so tight. Um, you know, the way we see things and how we see things, it will either illuminate things clearly or else it's going to be dull in that sense. And in Scripture, the eye is not just what we see outward. It's what we see and allow to come inward. It's the things that are out there that we allow to come in and affect our lives. And so in Psalm 101.3, it says, I will, not, I will set no worthless thing before my eyes. What is he saying? It's like, oh, I don't even want to see those things. Get them away. No, he's saying, I'm not going to allow these things that are worthless to come into my life. I'm not going to let anything that's worthless start to affect how I live. And so I'm not going to allow those things before my eyes. It means I'm not going to give them the attention, give them my affection, give them my energy and allow them to have that effect on me. And so the eye can be a metaphor for sight, but it's also suggesting proximity of what we allow into us or near us. And so it's important to recognize the eye as an organ of mental perception, right? The person with eyes to see is enlightened. And so it says in Scripture in Psalm 19.8, the commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. It gives us insight. The Greek word that's used when it says if our eye is healthy is the word haplos. And what it means is singular. In fact, the King James translated as if your eye is single. And so the idea here is the, the pure in heart is that of one. We talked about that when Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. And we, we talked about how purity isn't a moral righteousness, right? It's not being morally right. It is being singular. It, it is that gold that is pure gold and not mixed with other alloys. The, the pure in heart is a, a single heart that is steadfast towards God. And in contrast, a hypocrite is duplicity. It's diverse. It's divided. And so we see the pure in heart is single. The divided heart has the contaminants that are there within it. And so in scripture, integrity is oneness and moral evil is a dichotomy. And what we want to do is have this continuous thought, the pure in heart my eyes are single. How I see and the perspective I have is the right one, is a good one, is a healthy one, is one that is in line with the heart of God. Because what this does is it affects me. We are presented with these two options. If the eye is the only way light enters us, but it's dark. How great is that darkness? How great is it when everything you see is contaminated by how you see it? When everything you think is affected by the perception you have. And if your perception is wrong, 
then the lens that it's coming through affects everything in a negative and an unhealthy way. And so the question is then, how do you see the world? And how do you see your place in the world? Right? I have found that so many who call themselves, and this is true of me as well, that there's been so much of my life as a Christian that just sees the world as broken and evil, and I want to get away from it. And that's been my perception of things. And sometimes Christians can be the most fearful and skeptical and pessimistic people. And what a shame. This morning, as I was studying on Instagram, (laughs) Denise has posted on the For a Reason a quote from Bill Gates. And it was funny because she said she was wavering on whether she should post this or not. But then she thought, I just felt this pull like, no, I should. Not because I agree with everything Bill Gates says, but I just felt it was a good quote. And the quote is, the belief that the world is getting worse that we can't solve extreme poverty and disease isn't just mistaken, it is harmful. Powerful. Now, why is Bill Gates saying that and the church not exclaiming this truth? I understand why we get so skeptical. I know how things should be, and I see how things are, and there's such a canyon in between the two that sometimes we can start to feel hopeless. But when we hear, don't store up treasures on earth, and we think, detach yourself from everything, then I think we're missing the point. Really, it is to attach ourselves to the right things while here on earth. This last week, Karina and I were with my son and daughter-in-law in New York. We were babysitting. Um, but we were babysitting in New York, so it was kind of a fun, different thing. And as we were walking around in New York, I kept seeing things like this, right? Bikes everywhere because it's crazy to drive there. But there would be a bike here, and it's like missing a tire, but it's locked, and it's been there for a while, Right? And I'm not kidding. I would see these all over the place. There's, it's like there's nothing left, but it's locked to the place. It's like, what's going on here? You know, someone had a bike that was of value. They parked it. They locked it. And they went back to it and tires missing. And they just left it. And who knows how long that's been there, but it's been there enough for the back tire to be missing, the handlebars to be missing, who, the chain's missing. Who knows what else? They're just like, you know, cannibalizing this poor little bike and and taking it for these things. And you see, they saw their bike as broken, and so they abandoned it instead of fixing it. And a lot of times we see the world as the same way. We see it broken, and so we abandon it instead of seeing that we are here to fix it. We are here to engage in it. We are called to see hope beyond the tragedy. We are here to speak life beyond the disaster. We are here to see growth take place after the fire. And if we will not give that voice, then who will? 
We are the ones who are supposed to have that voice. We are supposed to have the perspective. We are supposed to see God at work in a broken world because that's where he found us. That's where he reached us and is working within us. And he wants to do the same around us. And if we have a mentality, it's broken, I'm leaving it here, and I just need to get away, we're missing the point, and our eyes are darkened. Because maybe we've bought into this treasure that I can have and accumulate, or a treasure I can go away to someday, and realize, and fail to realize that the treasure is to be a part of what God is doing. More than see what's happening, what we want to do is make help a reality to the people who are hurting, to the people who are struggling, to the people who are in dire need of hope. We are to be the voice of hope in their lives. You see, then he goes on and he says, you can't serve two masters. He doesn't say you can't have two masters. See, I think you can have two masters. You just can't serve them both. Because once you start serving one, you're neglecting the other. Once you are devoted to one, you are undevoted from the other. Because I find, at least in my own life, this duplicity where sometimes I have multiple masters. Sometimes I, I see God, I love God, I want to serve God. And sometimes it's my own desire, my own appetite, and that starts to precede this other. Whatever I devote myself to, that's where I start to give my heart to. That's where my heart follows. And I think this is what Jesus is stressing here at this point. He, he goes beyond just giving them information and teaching them things, right? It's kind of the wisdom tradition. It was rational deduction, practical application, kind of what the Proverbs do. And then he moves into this area of devotion. Because Hate and love, devoted and despised, it's not enough to be clear on the issues or to be well-informed of what's right and what's wrong. What counts is what our hearts love and what we are devoted to. Our forward movement, total devotion to God, is sometimes resisted, many times resisted. And it's resisted by a number of things, and I put down some of the things that I'm aware of in my life. Our own habits and the way we think and the way we've done things, the way we've done things for years, for decades. It becomes a habit. And we just keep doing things the way we've been doing things. Jesus said in the parable of the seeds, Still others like seeds sown among thorns hear the word, but the worries of this life, the deceitfulness of wealth, and the desires for other things come in and choke the word, making it unfruitful. This is one of those things that always, when I hear this, I always think, it's kind of like, where do I fit in this? You know, am I a person who worries? Anyone? Anyone? Okay. <laughs> Slow to come up with those hands there, right? Oh, sounds kind of heavy here. 
right? Deceitfulness of wealth, the desire for other things, right? Oh my gosh, the deceitfulness of wealth. The desire for other things other than the things God is wanting to do. Wanting to, to really command my life so that it makes life easy for me. That's been my whole bent. That's been the way I'm living. And it starts to show up more and more. As far as my inner life goes, the world's anxieties, the importance of money, the desires of all these things have an advantage over the words of Jesus. The advantage is they're already there. They're already in place. They've already been put there and they're cemented in there. And the advantage they have is they're there and they're reinforced. And now what I have to do is take the words of Jesus and I have to exercise them so that they start to become more important than the things that are already there, already implanted. And I'm not even aware of how self-centered I am until I allow the words of Jesus to change my vision and how I see things so that I don't see things as affecting me, but I see me as having the Spirit of God and being able to affect things. One is empowered and one is stealing your power. One is how you see yourself connected to the God who is able to do all things. The other is how you see yourself secluded from the God and you do nothing. So how we see ourselves is important. I have to see things differently. Our attachments to what we've acquired and the grip that they hold on us. We like our stuff. We do. You ever get bent out of shape because someone does something different? Like move your tables in the nursery, right? Or it's like, it's just the table, you know, let it go. It's not a big deal. Those things, <coughs> they have hold on us. We see our happiness connected to how we can control things and what things we can get. Our culture's values that bombard us daily in commercials and in things that we need. Oh, man, and is this the season? So interesting, driving through New York, they had so few billboards along the highway. I was just, I never noticed that before. But boy, you come back into L.A., man, there's like every 10 feet there's a billboard, right? And it's telling you what you need to buy, telling you what things are there for you. If you could just get these things, get these things. And I'm a sucker for that stuff because I see that stuff. When I was doing music, man, musicians, I know that soft spot. I know you see something and it's a new guitar, a new pedal, some new device, and you got to have it because that way you can sound like so-and-so which is a lie, right? I bought all those things and I, I never sounded like those guys. But what happens is those things start to get hold of us. When I was, I don't know, probably five or six years old, I went to a park with my grandfather and I don't know if my mom was there or who else. There were some other, my cousins might have been there and he was going to teach us how to fly a kite. And so it was a windy day, and we had a kite. And I remember getting the kite out there. I think my cousin was there because I keep, keep remembering my grandfather, and I think it was my cousin saying, whatever you do, don't let go, 
whatever you do, don't let go. They didn't give me a reason why, okay? They just said, don't let go. And when you tell me not to do something, I want to know why I shouldn't do it. So the kite was way out there. I remember I had this stick with the string on there. And I just thought, why can't I let it go? And so I did. I let it go. And it went, choo! And the stick went bouncing. And then went my grandfather and my cousin running after. I go, oh, that's why you don't let go. It takes off, right? You see, but all this stuff, all these things, you got to let them go. You just got to let it go. And as much as you want to hold on to that, they're holding on to you. And you have to see things clearly. Because if you don't see the hold that the world has on you, it will affect your devotion. It will affect how you hold on to God because you can't hold on to God and hold on to all the stuff. You're going to be devoted to one or the other. And it's important that we recognize this. The problem is that what Jesus says here, it's clear. This isn't difficult to understand. The problem is it's hard to do. It's hard to let go. It's hard to not be consumers in a world that is feeding that consumption. And we find ourselves a part of a system just going along with it and having no effect on the world around us because we are affected so much by the world around us. And the truth is most of us have two masters that we bounce our devotion back and forth from. And the single vision we need to have is a devotion towards God. Stuff isn't bad. What's holding on to you? What's important to you? That's what matters, right? In Luke chapter 13, someone asked Jesus, Lord, are only a few people going to be saved? And he said to them, make every effort. Another translation says strive to enter through the narrow door because many, I tell you, will try to enter and will not be able to. Will not be able to. Strive. I I love that he doesn't say yes or no or oh this percentage. He doesn't give statistics. He says to the person, you need to make every effort. Because some people won't be able to because I think they will not be able to see. I think they will be so bogged down with the things that they hold on to, the things they're devoted to, that God will not be a part of it, that the character of God will not be a part of it. We are striving against the programs that have been presented to us to get what we can, to be as happy as we can, to be as comfortable as we can, to enjoy all that we can because that's all it's about. And the striving becomes our true selves. And pretty soon our vision is darkened and we don't see what's really happening. When I was in New York, when we were in New York, we would go out to dinner Uh, My wife, my son, daughter-in-law, and my little grandson, Milo. And we would go to a restaurant, and it was amazing the 
reaction you get when you take a baby to a restaurant in New York. It's not the same as here. You go there and we had a car carry, walked into this one restaurant and the guy was like, oh, oh, a baby. It's like he'd never seen a baby before. It was like, oh, no, there's a baby. We don't, we don't allow those here, right? And, and I mean, he's like the best little guy. He just sleeps all the time and he eats and he's getting so chunky, right? And, and we said, well, he'll just sleep the whole time. And they're like, well, did you have a reservation? And it's like, no, but there's empty tables right here. It's early, right? It's like, what's the problem? And he was so freaked out about us bringing in a baby. And so we just put the car seat between the two of them and we had dinner and we went home and it was like, hey, no problem. But the whole idea of bringing this baby into New York, I didn't know it could upset people so much, right? And the whole idea that, oh no, this is going to disrupt our business. This is going to make everyone uncomfortable because they're trying to get away from babies? What, what's going on? And it was so interesting, the things that we saw, you know, there. And again, I understand it because the restaurants are so much smaller there. They're, they're, I mean, they cram as many people in a small place as you can. And so it is uncomfortable. We, we took a stroller into one pizza place, and man, it was tight. It was like right next to these other people, and you could see them again. Oh, no, it's a baby, right? And it's like, yeah, you're going to get baby germs or something on you. I don't know. You know, if we don't recognize what's going on, we get the wrong focus. Corrine and I were in New York, but we were there to help my son and daughter-in-law with our grandson. And so with a baby in New York, you're limited to what you can do. There are a lot of sites we didn't see. There are a lot of places we didn't go to. We got to go to some museums and some other places. We had a great time. But there were a lot of things that we didn't see because this is what we wanted to see. That's not a trash bag. That's a poncho and the head, lid, so that we could, because it was raining a little bit, you see. But I could be really upset because we didn't get to go to the top of the Empire State Building. I could be upset because we didn't go to Angelo's Fine Italian Dining in Little Italy, which has the best Italian food I've ever eaten in my whole life. Sense a little bit of sorrow, there is some. But you see, this is more important than that. How we see things will determine what we do. And and if we don't recognize those things, have an unhealthy or double vision, and think that we can buy happiness or we can go and get satisfaction, that we can see clearly the things that are important by getting stuff, We deceive ourselves. See, I can see the trouble in politics. I can see the senseless 
shooting and killing that goes on in the world. I can see the disasters that fall upon people and think it's broken. It just needs to burn. Let it go. Or I can be a voice of hope to the people who are there and I can see beyond the tragedy and see life growing where there was death and see hope that cannot be squashed can see life that can't be taken even by death. And I need these eyes and these eyes get blinded when I don't see past the things that are important. And I'm looking for the things that will feed what will never be satisfied. And I have to make the choice to see clearly healthy, singularly, the things that are important. And I need to allow Jesus' words to be clearly understood, to have my devotion so that I can live a life that brings the power of God with it into a world that is broken, that is hurting, that is in need He had just told us, you are the light of the world. If you're the light of the world, do not run away. Do not hide from misery around you. Speak life to it. Speak hope to it. Be a voice of God to those who need to hear it. The end of this chapter Verses 25 to 34, Jesus gives us some words to help us put in perspective things more clearly. I don't want you to read along with me. I'm going to read from the message translation. I would like for all of you right now to just close your eyes. And I want you to think, are you worried? I want you to to think, are, are you concerned with getting more, being more secure, having more money. Are, are the things of this world, the riches, the deceitful riches or other things taking priority in your heart over the things that God wants in your life? And listen to Jesus' words. And allow his words to speak into the areas of worry, to speak into the areas of fear, to speak into the areas of doubt or hopelessness. Where you feel it's broken, it can't be fixed. Hear what he says. If you decide for God, living a life of God worship, it follows that you don't fuss about what's on the table at mealtimes or whether the clothes on your closet in your closet are in fashion. There is far more to your life than the food you put in your stomach, more to your outer appearance than the clothes you hang on your body. Look at the birds, free and unfettered, not tied down to a job description, careless in the care of God, and you count far more to him than birds. Has anyone by fussing in front of a mirror ever gotten taller by so much as an inch? 
all this time and money wasted on fashion, do you think it makes that much difference? Instead of looking at the fashions, walk out into the fields and look at the wildflowers. They never primp or shop. But have you ever seen color and design quite like it? The 10 best dressed men and women in the country look shabby alongside them. If God gives such attention to the appearance of wildflowers, most of which are never even seen, do you think he'll attend to you? take pride in you, do his best for you. What I'm trying to do here is to get you to relax, to not be so preoccupied with getting so you can respond to God's giving. People who don't know God and the way he works fuss over these things, but you know both God and how he works. Steep your life And God reality, God initiative, God provisions. Don't worry about missing out. You'll find all your everyday human concerns will be met. Give your entire attention to what God is doing right now. And don't get worked up about what may or may not happen tomorrow. God will help you deal with whatever hard things come up When the time comes. Lord, may we take these words to heart. May our lives reflect what you have said. May we not be so concerned with things that our vision is clouded and blinded. May the light not become dark within us. Where we no longer see your will. Hear your voice. Because our voice is too loud. Because the things that we want are all we focus on. And I pray that you would help us as your followers to live lives that are free from the burden of things. Lives that are held down by the worries and concerns as if this is all that matters. Instead, may we be people who speak life to those around us, who bring hope with us in how we live and the things that matter to us. And may what matters most to us always, always, always be people. Father, may we never replace humanity with something less. May we Bring others up and not tear who you are down and how we live. We ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together. The season is upon us that wants to take our hearts and make it anxious. So much to do. So many things to buy, so many places you have to go, so many parties you have to be to or go to. And I want you to be free from those things. That's not what it's about. Let's allow this to be an opportunity to change how the season affects not only us, but those around us. 
Let's buy less. Let's give of ourselves more to the people who are around us who really matter. And let's show love in a way that makes a difference, not just for a day or for as long as that whatever it is lasts. But let's build a future. See, I I don't want Genesis to be a church that we come to and leave. I want Genesis to be a part of a movement that Jesus began all those years ago that frees humanity from the care and worry and deceit of this world that speaks hope to those who are hopeless, that brings comfort to the brokenhearted, that brings life to those who find themselves just in the fear of death. Let's be a part of something bigger. Let's see clearly. May the eyes of your heart be enlightened. May you see the will of God before you. And may you not be entangled by the deceit, cares, and riches of this world. God bless you. Have a wonderful week. We'll talk to you again soon. God bless. You have been listening to the Genesis Podcast. We invite you to join us at one of our weekly gatherings. You can find more information at www.thegenesisstory.com as well as opportunities to help financially support this podcast. Thank you for listening.